Hello, and welcome to the Foreign Film Academy. Hello. How's it going, Sid? Well, it's going all right. Um, I'm feeling pretty good today because, yeah. and you want to know why? Do tell. Nah, I don't feel like it. Oh, okay. Never yeah. mind, guys. All right, I'm going to go. <laughs> no, today we have our first director on the podcast. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. Today we're going to be uh, reviewing Agents, which is a interactive dynamic film um, that was produced by the NFB. I found it on the NFB website. Um, and for all of you non-Canadians um, listening, NFB is our National Film Board of Canada. And uh, they fund a lot of films and it really helps the Canadian film industry grow and thrive. So it's it's really cool that we could get one of the directors on the on the show. And it's we do realize that we are called the Foreign Film Academy <laughs> and we are talking about a film from our country. But yeah, the logic doesn't exactly add up on that one. But it's okay it's because, because we're Hollywood excited. brainwashed us, you know? So even as Canadians, <laughs> we see Canadian media as foreign as um, yeah so anyways we we see the joke in there and uh it doesn't really matter because either way we're going to be talking about a great film we're really excited to introduce pietro galliano once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Uh, we're you. like really, really happy to have you here. Um, oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm not sure, I, like I'm sure you have a little spiel, but do you want to give a quick overview of, of what the film's about? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, Agents is about, um, from a story standpoint, it's about five little creatures that live on a floating planet in a in a vast abyss. Um, and these little creatures um, are their their existence is very simple and and uh, and modest. Um, there's they they kind of have to co they have to counterbalance the world because uh, gravity goes straight down. Um, so if they don't pay attention, they'll all fall off the planet. Um, and then, and then you arrive with the power to change their world and influence their planet, and uh, you know, change their social and physical dynamic. And that's that's the premise of the film. Yeah, when I saw your film on the NFB site, I was so excited because I was it, it like had a whole lot of elements that was like really really interesting to me personally. And then I was like, Sid, we're gonna do this. She's like, okay. Awesome. Well, Brittany, what did you find interesting? I'm just curious because there's just everything's like smashed into one sure. one project yeah. for me. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, for me, I studied at Ryerson. Uh, it was a program called Integrated Digital. Mm. So for the first two years, I was in the film program with Sydney. And then um, after second year, I specialized into this program that is very much it's a really new program. It's only been up and running for five years now. Um, and it's kind of all encompassing. The way I like to explain it is like anything art-based that's made on a computer. Mm, right. So it's like a super broad topic and it was great because you had so much freedom, but we learned things like um, 360 video, VR, um, I did motion graphics and VFX and yeah, then, great. Um, like uh, some algorithm work that um, like AI, but it's AI was more like a, just like a fun thing to dabble in it. We didn't yeah. really learn too much about it. And then like creative coding and stuff. So how to make code visual. Cool. So it was a lot, I have like, I'm a little bit more of a jack of all trades in the sense that I know a lot, a little bit about like a lot of different topics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I saw your film, it was like, oh my gosh, this is cool to see like a piece that is, um, you know, in VR. It's filmmaking. It's interactive elements. Um, and then on top of it, it's kind of this, like, this almost beginning of life kind of idea, 
where oh, you I'm glad are you got this, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's like, these are the first creatures on this little earth. And, yeah. um, and then on top of it, I don't mean to go on and on about myself, but <laughs> on top of it, <laughs> no, I, I did a, I, asked. <laughs> I, I did a minor in biology. Um, so I've got the art side and then yep. I also like really, really enjoy bio and, um, something that's always really captivated my imagination is the first life, the first mm -hmm. cell. Um, and there's so many, you know, there's theories about how it came to be. And there's a lot that we don't know, obviously, but it's kind of, it kind of played with that intriguing notion. Totally. Yeah. Pro Proto-life so, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So then when I saw it, I was just like, we need to reach out and just see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, okay, I don't know if I want to go into, me and Brittany were kind of talking about what exactly we did the minute we played the film, and I'm going to go into how we had very different strategies, <laughs> which okay, is really yeah. funny, but I really want to start with, um, so I obviously did a little bit of research before this, and I just looked you up, see what you were about, and the most exciting thing for me was that <laughs> You, if, if this is right, I got this off Google. You're from Kitchener, Ontario. I was born in Kitchener. Yeah. So was I. KW <laughs> Hospital. There we go. That's awesome. Yes. So, <laughs> um, you even called it KW. Yeah. KW. Yes. KW. Yep. KW. <laughs> so I always, yeah, I'm from Kitchener as well. And um, me and Brittany are just always joking. I, I get made fun of a lot in my friend group. <laughs> because I call Kitchener an up and coming tech town because it is. It is. Yeah. They've got uh, the uh, Waterloo uh, or U of W is obviously like full of engineers and Google's presence there now. And there's this like rim vacuum that's there. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looping, uh, lumping KW together, obviously sure. but that, that's, that's a, that's a hotbed. There's like, I, I know people that run incubators there. Yeah. It's uh it's very technical. Well, Thank let you. me just say, um, it's rude to bring that up because now she's like winning the argument. But, um, it basically I'm keeping score. I will yeah, tell you guys yeah. at the end of the podcast who, yeah. who wins. So one point for each of you. Yeah, it was an offhanded comment that that she said, you know, it was like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. So it was a while back, but she was like, oh yeah, you know, KW, the booming tech town. And we all just burst out laughing because we're you know, like downtown and we're like, what is in Kitchener? So that it's like an ongoing joke, but I guess, uh, I guess we settled it now, which well, the rest there, of the... I mean, every, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm just, it's one, one opinion. I would, I would no, side no, with No, we're totally with joking. <laughs> I just needed to get that out. So then I win. Yeah. Um, good for you. Thank you. So playing, playing slash watching your film. Um, so yeah, we both have very different strategies. First of all, I just love the minute. So I downloaded it on uh, my iPhone to play. And um, I just love like kind of the minute you go on, like you can tell you're in this like new world, which is just through like the music. And we'll talk more about the music later, but I was a huge fan of the, the music that you chose for it. Um, Thank you. But me and Brittany were talking about what we did right away, as soon as we started playing. And I immediately just started killing people. <laughs> I just took them and threw them off. And I think I killed everybody before I did anything else. Um, so a lot of people, uh, it's been interesting to see people uh, interact with it, um, especially in user testing. And that that is definitely a strategy is to just throw them all off and then see what happens. And, and some people comp compulsively um, you know, just kill them just to see how far you can push your power. Yeah. And then, and then the next playthrough it, that the, the killing kind of calms down. No one kills them a second time. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to wait and see what they do now. Um, and then yeah. obviously discovering planting the flower and stuff like that fall, fall suit. But there are definitely different strategies that we've seen, but we've never held hands uh, or given particular instructions, which is frustrating for some people. But um, that's that's why we did it, just so that there would be a very limited palette of things to do and almost no instructions, single button experience in VR, you know, just a tap in, in on mobile, uh, click mm -hmm. on desktop. And uh, yeah, it's been really interesting to see what kinds of uh, interactions come from from just 
almost and nothing. Yeah, because we were laughing because I was the complete opposite. You know, we oh, like I, I was playing it on Steam on my PC. Um, and for the first run through, I didn't touch at all. Hmm. Like I just sat and, you and know, observed. waited and observed. And yeah. then they ended up, a few of them ended up falling off just on their own accord. And I was like, yeah, okay. they start like, fighting. If you don't do anything they, they'll yeah. try to get close to you and they become interested in you. And so, I mean, even, even not interfering, you're interfering, just being yeah. present, you're causing a disruption in their, in their world. Well, and so, yeah. I saw them sometimes yeah. they'd look to where the camera, like where I was. And mm -hmm. that was a little like freaky. And I didn't know if that was just like, is that a, a behavior that you can see? Yep, that that's definitely one. I mean, the 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 original version of this piece was in VR. So anything that you're seeing in 2D is just transplanting our dynamic cameras to the flat screen. So in mm -hmm. VR, they're actually looking at you and you you could move one one way or another and they'll they'll follow where you are. Um so it's just they're basically looking at the camera. That's wow. really cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And I did notice how, yeah exactly like you said as soon as I kind of did hands off the second time they would just start like kicking each other and like they'd always fall off and I was like that's super interesting okay and it's exactly like you said your your vision it totally came across about how no matter what you do or choose to do you're still interfering with their world and that's something you definitely hit on the head because it came across right away and um I thought that was a really cool thing to do yeah, right on. That that's yeah. great. And, and so neither of you have tried it in VR um, at this point. No, I don't um, have a. a you don't VR have a setup. Yeah, setup. I mean that's that's why we we um, transplanted the experience to two D screens because it, VR is 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 definitely not not mainstream yet. Um, yeah. But if you do have a chance to check out the VR version, it, it's uh, I I find it much better than the two D. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to do that. The next thing that I did so after I did my hands off, not interfering at all. The next step was um, to turn them all on to um, the reinforced learning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, reinforcement learning, yeah. Yeah, um, and then the, the, one of the things that I observed was they wouldn't go near the flower. So I was, I planted actually like up to 10 flowers and they did not touch them because all five of them were um, like turned on to, to reinforce learning. Yeah. And that, that's something that we, we had planned to be a little bit quicker on, um, when we released the film, but we, we do have, we're, we're constantly training new brains. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, the, the new release, I think it, it's either out now or out soon, we'll have, um, agents that are better at consuming from the flower. And, uh, a couple of them are, um, a little more excitable. They're, they're like, I call them the spicy agents where they, they fight <laughs> each other a little bit more um but the 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 thing is we we have to um engineer that behavior through like millions and millions of playthroughs and mm -hmm. see how they you know react to different re rewards and incentives um and then uh, once we have a new set of brains then we we put it in the film so the, the new new behavior will be coming from the reinforcement learning agents soon right. but the game agents will stay the same they're they they don't evolve Got okay it. so when um on the credits, they had the the names of the little agents, you know, Avi, Rex, Trini, Prez, and Octi. You're good. Yeah. That, right? those are, <laughs> yep. Those are the names. <laughs> so, so when you say you're adding new brains, um, would it be a new agent type or would it be updating Octi to the latter, yeah, exactly. So uh, Octi's body is always Octi's body, but mm -hmm. Octi can have a different brain. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we don't have, uh, we, we have very basic in interface uh, to do this right now, but one version we imagined, you know, being able to pick from a catalog of brains or something like that. And you can just put different behavior in these agents and then pick different combinations and stuff like that. We didn't get that far, um, but a project that we're working on right now will hopefully get get there because we saw potential to do that with agents. Um, but their bodies are always the same but and their brain can change. Yeah. We're hoping to kind of, in our questions, we're almost kind of hoping to follow the filmmaking process. So we're gonna kind of start in pre-production, go to production, post. Um, so I guess, 
I guess some of our pre-production questions would be based off crew. Um, so like who you who were your crew members and their departments? Um, and one of our questions is like this project, it has very highly specialized crew members we can imagine. So how did you go about like finding these people? Were, um, were they, did you work with them before? Just kind of about the other people behind the project. Yeah, I'd say a lot of the team I'd worked with before. Um, I was one of the co-founders of a company called Secret Location here in Toronto. And um, we did, you know, hundreds of projects over over the course of a decade. So I, I, I had worked with some of these people before um, through my experience there. And um, some people I hadn't worked with before, but you just have a good feeling right, right out of the right out of the gate like um when it's always a good sign for me when someone basically says that they're going to start working on the project like as soon as we're done the meeting yeah. <laughs> and they're like, i'm just excited i'm just going to do this so All i'm right. like yeah you're on the team um but uh yeah so i i had a wonderful team of interdisciplinary people so i wouldn't even say that they were specialists in in a particular way it was you know, I love having a small team where everybody's wearing different hats and there's lots of overlap and there's lots of, you know, discussion and honesty and, and you know, grinding to the, the, the best solution. Um, so I had a team, probably a core team of six or seven people throughout the project, um, and they, they had a, a wide range of responsibility and, and, and skill set. And then... Um, uh, specialists like um, say the music you, you'd praise the music that was done by uh, Robbie Duguay and uh, the sound effects were done by uh, Matt Miller um, at a company called Level Curve so we brought them in uh, you know periodically through the project and uh, and so they were they would be considered specialists that that were in addition to our team. Sure I guess the thing that that I was really curious about was like you you know the on your site um, and it's clear when you play it, um, the kind of phrase is that there's filmmaker authorship, audience interaction, and machine intelligence, and it's making this dynamic filmmaking experience. Um, but when I saw that, the first question that came to mind was, how did your brains not get too excited and go in a million different directions? <laughs> um, because when you have so many different moving parts, um, I was curious just to know if there was like times where things got a little too overwhelming. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it was an ambitious project from the beginning. So there, there were mm -hmm. definitely many times where we're looking at each other like, oh, we've created a monster here, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I admitted as, you know, the, the project leader many times, like, I am so sorry, I've created a monster in this way, and we have to pull back or we have to um, figure out what's what's possible now. Um, but the, that three-way authorship was central to the concept right from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, because I, I hadn't seen uh, you know, interactive films, there's uh, uh, authorship from the film director and, the, and, and writers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then there's authorship to a certain degree from the audience choosing A or B and going down that path. But those weren't real time. They weren't like really dynamic. You couldn't like interrupt an interactive film partway and be like, no, no, I'm throwing this person off the, <laughs> off right. the you know? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to try a uh, a, a, a narrative that did that where you could either observe fully or interact with fully at any moment. So that was, you know, very exciting, but sometimes a nightmare to figure out it just just the storytelling. Um, and so we decided to go with the uh, no dialogue just to make it a physical uh, dilemma and focus on that that physical storytelling um, mm -hmm. but then layering the AI in on that was um, extremely difficult because you've got basically actors in a film that don't do what you think they're going to do <laughs> so right. I had to really uh, the team had to really embrace that aspect like you know these pardon me um, these creatures are going to break the film and what are we going to do about it and all we decided just to lean into it and and uh, they they may continue to break the film as we as we update with new brains but those were definitely the the the, the biggest challenges mm -hmm. well it's funny because as you say that it makes me think of the black mirror film that was released on netflix where you know you kind of got to choose and yeah the thing that i loved about that yeah banner snatch thank you um and the thing that i liked about that film was how seamless the editing 
like mm-hmm. took you to the next yeah it was of the re- film. really well done um but i i also feel what you're saying where once you made that decision you're on this track and you for a while are hands off and you don't have that that control as it, yeah as and it you kind of lean back and then and then when it's your time you lean forward and oh, okay now it's now now i have to think about this and it, right. you're thinking on in the moment about the choices that you have mm-hmm. um yeah that's a, that's a wonderful art form like i i've i've done pieces like that myself mm-hmm. um, but as you know game engines become more sophisticated and uh and ai becomes more sophisticated i really wanted to try this idea of a dynamic film that that is kind of living on its on its own accord, and you can you can interrupt or or um, or, or or stay you know along that path uh, as you please. And uh, I, I mean, not to say that we did a great job of that. It, it's it's a it's a great um, tip of the iceberg, I would say, for sure. what that type of filmmaking could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to add dialogue in our next one and, you know, even more dynamic music, et cetera. But, um, this was a great accomplishment just to get done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. And something that was, that I'm always curious about or titles, was that a big discussion on what you were going to name it? I came up with the name uh, in development and it oh, just cool. kind of stuck. And at, at one point I was uh, advocating to rename it, like as we were figuring out um, more specifics on the interaction and the the story world. And the team was kind of like, you know, not, nothing was really clicking the way that agents clicked. Um, so, so I, I was just like, yeah, that's the name. I gave it, I gave it a try to rename it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I just thought it's kind of cool to combine intelligence and agency, and it kind of rhymes with you know what we call the agents in in AI. So yep. um, yeah, it just and and plus the National Film Board um, uh, people, uh, some people at the National Film Board were saying agence. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Ooh, yeah, that that's fancy. Flair. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, we, we went to uh, Venice for a production bridge, and someone there called it agence. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this this is the name. It's taking on a <laughs> exactly a whole like new its life. Own. Yeah, Ooh. that's the point of the film, and off it goes. <laughs> it's whatever you want it to be. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So so yeah. Thanks for asking about the name. Um, it's uh, it it just stuck from early development, and when we kept it. That's kind of cute too that the team really wanted to keep it the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they wanted to keep it or they just didn't like the new names, but for oh, some true. some reason <laughs> they they might have just been like, "Oh, no." But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it it, uh, it stuck pretty much from development on. Yeah, and sometimes that's just how it is with names because at first you're like, "Yeah, okay, like good enough for now." But then sometimes you just get attached to it and you're like, "You know what? No." This is it. This is it. <laughs> and it feels right. Exactly. And it is nice that it's just a like one title. It's not too long. It's easy to remember. And it gets exactly the point of cross, which I can always appreciate in a title. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Sid's, Sid's had uh, some some troubles trying to name her films. Um, so it's a big thing on your mind. Right? I, I appreciate <laughs> Yeah, no, I just appreciate a good title because it's always my struggle. <laughs> yeah, um, I I always like just sit in front of a thesaurus, um, just, you know, sometimes for an hour and just travel through, especially, you know, thesaurus.com where you can click on words and you get more options and yeah. kind of go down different pathways. Um, that, that's my, I didn't do that for, for agents, but um, that's my favorite way to name anything is just like, start combining words or or coming up with a a, something witty that that has you know double or triple meanings I Mm -hmm. I love that right so let me know if you need help naming your film (laughs) oh that would honestly be thesaurus for an hour (laughs) yeah I well that's actually a fun that's a kind of fun uh method I, I like that yeah and sometimes there's something in the film that you can change to give it a better name too. Like if there's a, you know, if, if, if there's a character that you can, that's central, that has a particular aspect to them or like give them, them a name that can reflect on the, the title. Anyways, right. I, there's just, it's all just little moving little dials until you get it. Not like yeah. I'm an expert, but as soon as it clicks, then it clicks. Yeah. Well, and it is super important too right like you know i'm scrolling through nfb there's a whole bunch of um 
things that I can click on and I saw agents and then the art and I was like ah let me see what this is you know what I mean so so there is something to be said for like the the importance of it that's awesome I'm glad you found it through the NFB's uh site as well that 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 that's dedication to the industry and and to our nation thank you yeah yeah well that actually gets me curious then because as Canadian filmmakers so how did that process go to uh work with the NFB and how did you get to be able to do that really yeah so um I um when I resigned from Secret Location uh I took a six-month break and then uh called up David Oppenheim from the Toronto studio at the NFB and had a conversation with him and had a conversation with uh, Anita, the EP there. And um, I basically pitched them three ideas on like, hey, this is what I want to do next. And they were like, awesome, we'll do the first one. And I was like, wow. what, really? And they were like, yeah, here, you can start start anytime. <laughs> and and so I went through a, a what they call an investigate process. Um, where I basically uh, created a vision video and and documents that were um, outlining my vision for the project. Um, then I uh, started trying to raise money through um, grants, which I ended up, uh, our, our team ended up winning a CMF grant and an Ontario Creates grant. Um, but in the meantime, uh, the NFB was willing to go through a, a small development phase with us. And so we had just the smallest little team, three or four people, um, building a proof of concept just to figure out different aspects of it. And we didn't, we didn't even have complicated AI in it at that point, but we knew that that piece was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the investigate, we were lucky enough to win the grant funding and, uh, and we started production. So, um, and that was yeah. you know a, a similar team to what we had in development, but um, definitely uh, more members joined at that point. Yeah, you could do a lot more with it then. Um... Yeah, that's pretty cool because I've always wondered how, because there's so many different paths you can take and it's it's almost overwhelming how many different paths you can take. Yeah, you um, yeah. can kind of get stuck with uh, the number of choices. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that the, the NFB saw uh, potential in, in uh, at the time it was really wild idea. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, and luckily we live in a place that can find fund uh, art like this and we're, we're really lucky for that yeah for sure we had a, a one lecture in class where my prof kind of took us through all of the various grants that Canada has to offer and it's like wow it's it's really inspiring as someone who who wants to make art or you know participate in the the film community um that there's all these tax breaks and you know grant yeah, options and- exactly um, I, I would, um, be invited, uh, to different places around the world to, um, to lecture. And, um, I, often people would, you know, pull me aside and say, you guys in Canada are killing it in the interactive, uh, narrative space or the, the digital media space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's because we have these incentives and, and the, the grants and whatnot, it's really like fostering an industry that's here to stay now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of cool too, because um, Sid and I, for the episode that's coming out tomorrow, um, we watched a Chinese animation film called Nerja. Um, and it was kind of an interesting one to look into because the Chinese animation industry is very limited. There's only one film before Nerja that did really, really well. And so it was kind of a chicken and the egg situation where there weren't films that were doing well, so investors wouldn't invest. And then it, it's hard to get that kind of industry up off the ground until there's a few success stories. So it's kind of neat to see the interactive, you know, the interactive genre is being supported by, you know, grant funding so that we can actually have some success stories like agents and, and build it. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for considering agents a success story. <laughs> uh, I I hope that it's a, a tip of the iceberg, like I said before, of uh, yeah. of many more of a, a quest for dynamic content. Um, that's what we're trying to do at Transitional Forms. Um, but yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of get into the like filmmaking kind of section of it, um, specifically the cinematography. Um, 
cinematography is something that we we talked about in my program um, in 360 spaces, in VR spaces, as something that's incredibly difficult because you have to find a way to um, guide the eye is the word, right? Um, and the idea that you have, you can look anywhere. And so how do you coax the, the audience into following the story the way you want them to? Um, and so I'm wondering if, you know, there were any specific approaches you took or if you made compromises um, in order to have the, the 360 entertainment. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I uh, cheated a lot with agents and kind of <laughs> constructed the world around um, leading the, the viewer's attention in, in VR specifically. Um, and I did that because, you know, making a lot of mistakes doing VR for uh, uh, several years before, um, I, I realized that, you know, you could make this immersive, beautiful world, someone will sit down in it or stand up in it. And I, I'm going to, your, your listeners might not be able to see what I'm doing, but you know, they would check behind them mm -hmm. once or twice, but then the rest of it would be about 120 degree experience and anything beyond, you know, that 180 felt like, like they were working too hard or whatever. And, sure. you know, maybe sometimes you could put audio in there for a scare or whatever um, to, to pull someone's attention. So anyways, to answer your question with agents, it was like, let's make a world, let's make a horizon line, let's make very specific axes for attention um, and, uh, and, and you scale to bring you, uh, closer and immerse you in the action and you scale to give you this sense of, um, directing your attention and feeling like a God character. Um, so between scale and, uh, world building, basically those were the two tricks to keep, keep attention, uh, where it is. And this was a very, um, uh, we were uncertain about this experiment when we started because um, you probably noticed you change scale and in VR that's why it's it's a better experience in VR because we actually shrink you down to the size of an agent when oh, you're cool. on the planet with them and you're kind of sharing the same space and seeing their story unfold with them um, and then you know as you uh, observe more um, it, they, the, the world kind of shrinks down to a meet, we were calling that a medium shot and in VR, there's no medium or close or wide. Sure, we were just, yeah. you know, the close was scaled up mediums, medium, and then scaling it down for that wide shot that makes you feel like a God character. Um, so yeah, I, there are a handful of tricks that we used, but, um, mostly world building is, is how we, uh, focus the attention. Yeah. And again, like one of my favorite things is the music. <laughs> I was obsessed with the music right off the bat. Awesome. Um, That's so good to know. I, I yeah. love the music too. Yeah. It's very immersive, which is, I mean, exactly what you're going for, but it really does drag you into this world. Um, and so, yeah, we're kind of wondering like how, how many different scores do you have? And so is it all like associated with the emotions that are happening? Um, We'll start with that and then we'll go further. <laughs> yeah, I, I got asked this question earlier today on uh, how many different stories there, there were. And um, like, I'd have to count it out, but there was, there was definitely a core story map that had, um, uh, you know, uh, different pathways that would generally happen if, if certain things happen. But because it's all dynamic, we don't know, you know, where the flowers are, how many flowers there are, are the agents upset? Are they, are they fearful? Are they, you know, excited? Are they happy? How many agents are left on the planet? Um, so all those factors come into play. And um, uh, the musical score is based on a lot of those factors. So uh, first and foremost, it's kind of based in where you are in the, in the narrative path. Okay. And then um, the possibilities branch from there. So um, if there were, if, the agents were angry, for example, there would be a certain part of the track that would become prominent. Um, and if there was a, a if a, a new flower was planted, there's a new sound to, to the world that blends into the track. So um, it's, it's quite dynamic. It's not being generated, but it's being mixed on the fly. And, um, and so, yeah, there's lots of factors that are happening to, to make that happen. Yeah. And Brittany, like you, you probably understand because uh, I I don't know absolutely nothing about coding, 
just straight up. <laughs> um, Brittany knows a lot more. Um, but she did write down this question, like, how does the code decide when to play it? But you just kind of answered that. Like, it's, it's, it's not quite like that. It's not so much a coding, but rather just where you are during the storyline. And truth be told, I'm not a, a, a developer myself. I'm I yeah. my, my math sucks, so I guess that's why I'm in more of a creative role. But um, to my understanding, there's there was a bunch of thresholds that were happening in the system, so that um, and you can see it where an agent, if another agent's getting close to another agent's business, and they they're they're kind of they get kind of furry and and turn a little darker red. Um, that's a threshold, so that th it's building up to the point where they're deciding no you know i'm gonna attack this this agent that's bothering me right. um so all these little thresholds and triggers um adding up is is basically what uh controls the camera movement and the music and, and the agent behavior so it's like all these i um so i don't cool. know the that's way so i cool. oh yeah. thanks <laughs> um it's it makes a, a a crazy thing to um test and uh bug fix our, our um, you know, our, our, our team is, is just incredible that they were able to <laughs> make it yeah. as bug, bug free as, as they got it. Um, yeah. yeah, just so many moving parts. Yeah, and we kind of talked about user interaction at the beginning about how, like how people, how you did a lot of testings and how other people interact with it. Um, but how was that how was that process like transferring the project from the uh, VR to like a mobile device? Cause you, you said like it is, it's a totally different experience because it's rather than all around you, you have to put it to 2D. Um, was this something that you kind of thought you would always have to do or yeah, just how did that work? Yeah, um, we had, we had hoped to uh, transplant to mobile um, all along, okay. uh, you know, and and had that as part of our plan. Truth be told, it became not a last minute thing, but it was one of the last things that that we did uh, officially um, on on the, in the project production. But we had done certain tests along the way, you know, to make sure that the art would hold up in a certain way, or that um, the, our our theories on interaction would would hold up, and we would just build it enough and test it and be like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that later. Um, and in the end, we kept the art crimes uh, low. And so um, most of the art got transplanted. Um, it still looks better in VR for, for some reasons, but, um, uh, you know, kept the kept the art crimes low, kept the interaction as simple and elegant as we could. Like we, 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 uh, swore we wouldn't have menu systems or heads up displays or items or stuff like that just super elegant and that allowed us to transplant to mobile a lot easier because if we were dealing with like you know menu systems or multiple interactions that would have been very tough yeah well the other thing that I like about that simplified um you know that simplified setup of the story um it was something that made me laugh because I realized that you were training me <laughs> like as a user, <laughs> one of the notes that I wrote was that um, through trial and error, I realized how the film ended. And so, you know, if the tree makes it to the bottom and it's unreachable, um, that's when it ended. And it's just funny how, you know, the whole piece is, okay, we're training AI um, through trial and error. And then <laughs> I figured out how the film ended through trial and error, you know? <laughs> So I, I love that twist. And if I could share an anecdote uh, on, on our side, it was yeah. uh, that originally we wanted to train a, an AI system to understand storytelling beats and understand storytelling timing and, and that type of thing. And we, we, we still will pursue that in another project. Um, but what we, when we went through the uh, reinforcement learning route, what we re realized was instead of using instead of training AI on storytelling, we were using storytelling to train AI or, or at least to understand AI. And um, one of the best pieces of feedback that we've had on the film is from people from the AI community who say, hey, you know, this, this isn't a research tool by any means, but using the film as a platform to observe AI behavior is is really refreshing for the people who otherwise have to look at charts and graphs all day to understand 
you know how how these creatures have developed and 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 what's important to them um so yeah just observing the ai in a story world just added a whole whole another dimension that um that I, I was really happy to see yeah it's also like with just speaks to accessibility too right you know the idea that ai seems to be this mystical black box yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know it's something that you don't exactly understand until you start like playing around with it and then but the best way is when you have like a visual representation of things since we are visual creatures we live. yeah we're visual creatures we learn from storytelling we communicate through storytelling like that's you know even if it, the the agents themselves don't have any clue about storytelling we do and that's how we can relate to them and it's it's very artistic and abstract but but mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a cool aspect of the piece for sure yeah was it magical the first time that you know you finally got things up and running and you had like little creatures <laughs> like that you could see yeah i, I mean we we kind of took waves uh to um developing the ai and then i, I kind of called it called that off for a second for a second for a couple months to be like <laughs> let's build the rest of the film now um so uh that first i remember um the first moments of training the ai uh, uh agents through reinforcement learning and coming back to the office the next morning and everyone's kind of gathered around a computer like look at this one this one's been on the planet all night and and it's just like it's yeah. just running <laughs> yeah I, i'll never forget those moments of 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 joy and that's an interesting loop that we'd like to pursue on a, on future projects too is allowing people to train these creatures and then getting that joy of you know waking up the next day and checking to see what they've what they've learned it's it's really fantastic yeah i uh i remember for my thesis i i wrote a code that um was a visual explanation of um evolution through populations um, and so there were these jellyfish animations that I had assigned a phenotype value for their color. And, um, and then I had a separate section of the code that was selecting against certain colors. So if there was like a, um, something that was eating, say the green jellyfish over the pink ones. And, um, it started with like a bell curve where, you know, there's just generally white. And then, you know, as the code selects against something, you know it would it starts filling in and yeah, yeah. then you've got a rainbow and then it might all end in green and yeah what and, happened uh, yeah. well it was it was the the most first of all i was banging my head because you know my coding skills are <laughs> they're okay you know it's not it's not anything special but um it was like so i felt so good the first time it ran and i had to leave it for like 20 minutes or so right because it was you know, running through the code. And, um, and so I went to go get something to eat. And then I came back and everything was green, which was what was supposed to happen. And I was like, freaking out because it was like, it worked. Oh, my God, it worked. worked. Yeah. It's so cool. So I could only imagine when you have like, the, that's just, you know, classic coding, I could only imagine with AI where it can do like its own thing at certain points. You come back in the morning and it's it's doing something yeah and there there were really like um they're just fantastic moments on like well why you know you, you give them a new ability like um that they can now fight each other and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're always fighting each other or um you know w we realized that like oh this wasn't working they they kept dying but oh the planet is too slippery for them um so we, we it was bouncing between the story world and the AI training environment mm -hmm. um, way too many times. I, I think that we would have taken a much different process uh, now. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a lot of trial and error and lots of lots of uh, wonderful surprises along the way. How how long did it take to from literally the first development process to the final product? How long did this take? I say uh f including development so there was a break between development and production um but i would say probably two years uh total if you added up all the time together yeah. um and uh yeah i would say two two years total wow that's 
It's a good amount. <laughs> it is a good Not, amount. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that if we were to obviously do it again, there, we could do it faster, but we'll, we'll never do it again. We'll always be <laughs> doing something new. And um, that was also like starting a new company and, and building the team. And that, that takes a lot, you know, figuring out your processes that takes, a, there's a lot of um, valuable work, but a lot of inefficiencies that you have there uh, right out of the gate. But we, we were, we were able to stay um, uh, focused and, and nimble throughout and uh, yeah, and we were able to pull it off. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that, um, that we're super interested in is that, can you explain the submit your brain button on the website? Yeah, sure. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, uh, an initiative that, um, you know, truth be told, I think the team wishes that we had more time to um, develop this, this side of the experience further. But we thought, you know, there is this aspect where we could open source uh, an element of the, the film being the training environment and put instructions for anyone who wants to get into reinforcement learning on how the steps we took to train brains to put in the film. And uh, so that's essentially what that button is, is, you know, if you go through, if you go to the GitHub and you uh, in, install the software and, and go through all these steps and you end up with a brain, then please send it to us and we'll review it. And if it's cool, we'll put it in the film. <laughs> so no, no one's done that yet, I don't think, because it, it's quite the process to go through. Um, but we thought, heck, you know, let's let's throw it out there and see what happens. And that's exciting for me as a director to the idea that I could get a new character in the mail <laughs> yeah. is, uh, is pretty neat. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see if that has legs, but it's something that we want to keep developing, uh, at least the concept, um, and lower that barrier of entry for reinforcement learning and integrate these, you know, these creatures, this intelligence into, into filmmaking or content. Mm -hmm. Um, so a, a future project for, for us, uh, definitely we'd like it to have that angle, um, that, that was less, uh, you know, jammed in at the last minute. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, and that's something that like, honestly made me laugh when I was going through the, the website when, um, you know, at some point somebody said that, okay, this film can constantly be evolving. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I have the like heart and the stamina to have a film that's never like really done. <laughs> Just because like, it's actually, you know, uh, you know, from from an artistic standpoint, it, it's uh, it's it's a hellish situation. Um, but at the same time, it's freeing because, you know, you're never really done your art anyways. And mm -hmm. so to put something out there that can continue to evolve and maybe it maybe it degrades, maybe it becomes better maybe it doesn't evolve, but that, that, that idea is really, um, really comforting and exciting for me where, you know, it's, it's not finished. It'll never be finished in, in my heart, but, um, you know, let's just put it out into the world and, and the yeah. world can do it with it, what it, what it, what it does. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Like you, there's both a sense of relief when you finish a project, but also a, this isn't done. Like I could, I could keep going for days, years, and it, it's never ever going to be done. So, yeah, and you have to yeah. go through this mourning process where it's like, well, I guess that's what it ended up being versus what you still imagined it could be. Because um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, as an artist, you'll never stop imagining what the next um, thing that you want to introduce into it or change or um, the way you want to evolve it. But at some point, you got to just yeah, it's never done. It's export. just shipped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and that cool. would be, yeah, freeing in a sense. Um, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people can uh, ever say that they have <laughs> a well, project like this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would take a second to just encourage um, everybody listening to, to put their ideas out there earlier um, and, and, you know, especially when it's interactive, uh, we didn't do this as much as I think the team wants to on our next project, um, release an early access version and, and get that feedback. And it's, it's so much better to get feedback on something that's not quite done and that you have the ability to influence versus putting this thing out there that you're right at a runway on. And then all of a sudden you find out that somebody doesn't get this very simple aspect that you could have changed. Mm. Um, so yeah, put your work out there earlier and get that feedback. And then that 
I think that softens the pain of releasing a final project as well. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice, especially for the perfectionists out there <laughs> that are like, totally. Ah, it's not perfect. I can't Don't show look at it. Money. Don't look yeah. at it. It's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two years exactly. of my life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. For the record, I don't feel that about agents. I'm very proud of it, and the, the team yeah. is very proud of it too. But um, cool. there is that aspect where you do want to continue tweaking it forever, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just, just looking because I keep I keep looking at your poster in your room because I like it, um, <laughs> and I'm wondering the colors that you chose. Um, was there a very particular discussion about the colors that you wanted to do and what that portrays? Um, yeah, just the overall atmosphere, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think the concept originally was to have the light on the planet. It's like the gravity goes one way in the world, right? So um, if the agents get too close to the edge and they're not counterbalancing each other, they'll fall. And if they get too close to the edge, they might slip off. So the edge felt like that it was this... Um, uh, the edge is threshold. where they could, yeah, threshold. And, and that's where, that's the only light in their whole existence. It comes from the edge of this planet. They can't see the light source, which is right below them. Um, so we, we wanted to like have it as kind of a dusk uh, feeling on the planet. Like they're, you know, their lives are not great, but not too bad. It's just kind of neutral, right? It's not super bright. It's not really dark. Um, but then when you add the flower, that's what uh, brightens the world. And it's it's allowing for that contrast to be like, oh man, this is something they've never seen. They've never seen bright light before. Um, right. So that concept kind of led to a lot of the world building and making the very bottom super vibrant and mysterious and what the, this thing that they're falling into, uh, we called it the nexus. Um, and then the the abyss above where, which is, you know, not that interesting. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I think that it, we had stars up there at one point and that, that seemed much more interesting. So we, we pulled back, but they're kind of like, yeah, in this abyss that goes on forever. And it's, it's neither, neither here nor there. And that, 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 that kind of uh, solidified a lot of the world building from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny too, because the, the flower, the, the designs on the flowers kind of have that same flavor as the 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 nexus below yes um, totally the the agent's eye when they're when they're um under the flowers influence mm -hmm. and uh and the flower itself and then the nexus that that's all the same uh the same design right yeah that's really cool um oh do God. we i don't know if you have any more questions Brittany. do we want to go into the community questions yeah let's do it <laughs> Um, so we asked a few people to submit some questions for, for us to ask you. Yeah, right on. <laughs> and here they are. <laughs> um, so we have a question from Evie. Um, how do you avoid the spectacle of a new tech like VR to make content where viewers can focus on story and see past the allure of a new or unfamiliar media? Yeah, any new technology is, is uh, magical. That's like a... Uh, Arthur C. Clarke uh, quote. I, I'll, I'll butcher the quote if I directly quoted him, but um, but yeah, new technologies are like magic, and that can that can hurt an industry as well. Um, where you know VR uh, in the early days, there was a lot of VR for VR sake. It was just yeah. like whatever your story was and it worked on this medium do it in vr and and then it's you know it's got a whole new life and unfortunately it doesn't work that way um and that it, now in the vr industry i think that people are more um savvy and and cautious about what they're buying and uh there's a there's a real form of storytelling that's coming out of the vr industry now that uh, other mediums just can't do and so mm -hmm. I, I think that's how you avoid it. You, you, if, if you want to make an immersive or VR experience, you know, keep the story and keep the form and keep the functionality intact, make them honor one another and don't just have one of them not fitting. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that, I think more and more people in that industry are, are, are considering that when they're making um, content for the medium. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great way of summing it up too, right? Of, you know, it has to be with purpose. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to just 
transplant a, a story that, uh, you know, it, it's like um, in the early days of, of cinema, they would just, you know, plunk a camera in front of a play. And that wasn't, I, I think, was it Hitchcock that was, that was upset at that because um because not, it's not what the film medium can do it's just transplanting theater onto film and you saw the same thing with radio onto television and television into vr um and vr into something else like that that's going to happen again but um yeah definitely don't just make vr for vr sake have a reason that it belongs in that medium and then use that reason to propel the story uh and make it something that no one's ever seen before yeah, I like it. Um, so our next question um, is from Oliver. And he was asking um, what the community is like in comparison to the film community. Um, and he said, obviously, it's much smaller. But do you feel like you have enough of a network and resources to get a solid project off the ground? Um, and is there an upper limit to the scale uh, of a project at this point in time? Um, by community, does Oliver mean the AI community or the VR community? I think probably, well, actually he didn't say, so I'm not sure. Whichever one you want to talk about. Sure. Um, well, I think that the VR community is, uh, is I wouldn't say thriving yet, but there, there's a lot of people in it now um, coming from the early days uh, when, you know, we were just figuring out how to build things. Now mm -hmm. there's actually like amazing software and tools and support and forums and, you know, <laughs> just communities around the world and locally that are um, meetups, you know, uh, th that that is, it's just wonderful for that industry. So I think it's much easier to do a project in VR than it ever was before. Um, AI, on the other hand, is, um, you know, th those worlds don't mix too often. Like you walk into a film as a filmmaker in a an AI conference and you really stand out. <laughs> like there's, right. there's probably not another filmmaker at that conference. Um, but it, that's changing too. And I, I think that like one of my favorite things about agents is that when we first started, it was really hard to find an AI engineer that would would take on this challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and now that we have an example of what can be done, and again, just the tip of the iceberg, there are, you know, I'm making contact with engineers around the world being like, wow, like, you know, what are you doing next? Like, I've done this research, like, you know, can we collaborate on something? And that just was not happening before. So uh, the the act of making that first project is really how you crack that that nut. Yeah, um, yeah I hope I answered Oliver's question. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I feel like <laughs> that's two different industries. Probably a good one. And then the last one that we received, if you die in VR, do you die in real life? Um, now, yes. <laughs> of course. I love um, that. Well, anyways, that's it. That's yeah. uh, all of our we questions. Have, yeah, so we do this thing on our podcast because it's called the Foreign Film Academy. Um, we're two recently graduated film students, and the purpose of this is to learn from professionals, learn from people who make films. Of course, we are Canadian, you are Canadian. So technically to us, you're not foreign, but we're going, <laughs> we're going more of just outside of Hollywood is what we're trying yeah, to, sounds good. trying to do. Um, so something that we do at every, at the end of every podcast is we do like a learning point. After talking about the film, we kind of do a takeaway of what we learned and how we can apply it to um, our filmmaking career. So that's what we're going to do. And um, Brittany, I don't know if you have one right off the bat. Or if you need a second to think, I might have one. <laughs> okay, yeah, go for it. You want me to go? Okay. Yeah. So I really liked what you said about, because we were talking about how you, you just never feel like your film's really done and how it's just, that's the hardest struggle really. And I like how you said like to encourage people to just get it out there early. And um, I think that's something that I would really like to apply because it's very hard to do that. <laughs> um, and just, I guess, just really believing in your vision in the project and just going off of that and hearing other people's opinions because um, that's, that's really ultimately what's gonna make your project is how the other people interact with it and your true vision for it. And I thought that was a, a great takeaway for uh, you said a m so many great things, but that one I feel like is going to stick with me. 
Yeah, awesome. I'm glad. Um, yeah, the audience plays a, a key role in whatever you're making, right? And so if you if you don't involve the audience uh, at a certain point, um, you know, it, that's devastating for a filmmaker to, you know, build this brilliant piece and then he or she bring puts it in front of an audience and then they don't like it. Like that's a devastating moment. And that's going to happen if you're taking risks no matter what. Um, but, and you're never going to, um, you know, please everybody either. Like you, you got to take all the feedback with a grain of salt and say, well, you know, this is different. And this, the, I, I'm not going to make this exactly like, you know, the 10 other things that this person has seen or played that day. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a fine line there, but I think releasing it early certainly gets you over that anxiety of like, oh my God, what will people think? Or, or I'm never going to be, I'm never going to make anything. This isn't going to be done forever. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that hit. Thank you. And yeah. I have one final takeaway, um, that people born in KW are ultimately the best. <laughs> they're pretty right. good. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty they're good. good folks. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So thinking about my takeaway, um, I think more what's going to stick with me is, um, the joy that I felt going through agents and experiencing agents specifically when I figured out how the world worked and how you didn't tell me there wasn't like a forced information um, for, for me to explore the piece, you know, the, the choice to have very limited menus, very limited explanation of what was going on. Um, for me, it was like really, really fun. And I think that's kind of the science side of it. But like, I got my paper out. I started like literally taking notes of what they're doing and you know, how is this working? Um, and, and that was a huge part of the engagement and what I enjoyed about the film. Um, and when I think about my own work, I like to explain. <laughs> I like to explain when I have my code running and I'm like, here's how the code works, everyone. And, you know, I, or like, um, I'm even thinking of, um, I was dabbling in AI creating, um, like stills and prints. Um, and I created one based on microscopic images. Um, and then when the print was done, it was absolutely beautiful, but I had to make one print of just the art and then one print of the art and a little picture of the actual reference image. Because for me, um, I was like, look at how it was made, you know? Um, and so, I think a takeaway that is very personal and it's, I think something that I need to really, really consider for the future is allowing the, the audience to have the joy of learning on their own and, and really engaging with the work instead of forcing what you want them to take from it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. And the key to that is user testing. And I, I wish that we would have even done more user testing um, mm -hmm. because uh, even, you know, a single one button experience and limited things to do, you'd be surprised how many people either miss that or become frustrated. And I don't, I don't think that we got that perfect for sure. Um, but testing it on an audience early is, is again, a, the, a, a good, uh, a good thing to practice. Um, but yeah, I, I always think about uh, uh, Stefan Sagmeister. I think I heard him say once that his favorite pieces in his portfolio are, are ones that you see the process as part of the final product. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's hard to do that with you know games or or, or films uh, for sure. But and Michel Gondry, you see you see like um, his work just has elements where he's just you can see he's just thinking through an idea and then putting yeah. it in the film yeah. and I, I think that that's just uh, that's a beautiful um artistic uh, uh uh you know position to take on on your work and uh yeah another thing that you can do and what we did on agents was there's so much thinking and 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 uh, you know work that went into this piece that is hidden from from the final product um we put together a behind the scenes video that people really enjoy and and know you know that this is how it was made and this was the thinking behind it and you know this is what we want to do next um you can always 
you know, make a behind the scenes video for your portfolio. And sure. I think that that almost becomes more important in your portfolio than the final piece, because it's what lives on, um, you know, people aren't going to have iPhone 11s forever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. people aren't have Oculus Rifts forever, but a, a, a video that explains explains what you did. Um, that's something that you can watch for many years. And uh, I, I would encourage, you know, ma- capturing your thoughts and not being afraid to, to document it in that way and, and be proud of that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We yeah, were so awesome. excited to have you. We were so excited to watch the film and it went really well. So <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. Good. Thanks yes. for, thanks for inviting me. Um, do you have any like Instagrams or anything that you want to plug? Yeah, sure. Um, I would plug my co-production partners on agents uh, and fb.ca. Um, I could uh, plug transforms.ai, my company's website, although there's not a lot on there right now. Uh, agents.ai is the uh, project site. And uh, often I'm not too social, but often you can find me at Pietro Vision. Um, uh, yeah, that's usually my handle. Very nice. Awesome. Yeah, we genuinely like really enjoyed it and we only like to talk well we don't only but we find ourselves only basically talking about things that we're actually genuinely excited about and so to have you on here it's this is a really cool experience and just thank oh, you for that's making wonderful the time. <laughs> you guys are officially the biggest fans of this piece <laughs> yeah. thank you very much i'm well, really good. honored so yeah cool. thank you so much yeah awesome thanks again All talk right. to you soon bye, bye. Hello everyone, I really hope that you enjoyed this very special episode of the Phil and Film Academy this week. I know we really enjoyed talking with him and I hope you really got something from listening. This week, we'll be watching Der Kommer Andag, which in English is The Day Will Come. The Day Will Come is a Danish historical drama about the frightening experiences several young boys went through during their stay at the orphanage Godhaven in Denmark in the 60s. The film, which is based off real-life events, centers around two young boys who try to withstand the brutal headmaster. This film really caught my attention because apparently how controversial it is and just how much it says about our society. Uh, It was directed by Jesper W. Nielsen, and I'm really excited to watch it, and I hope you join us.